He beats his fists against the posts and still insists he sees the ghosts. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Stewart, and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler special podcasts. This one is dedicated to the second chapter in the It franchise. It's called um, It Chapter Two. No. Oh, and sees the return of Pennywise and the adult version of the Losers Club. Twenty-seven years after the events of the first movie which is confusingly just called It and not It Chapter 1. Honestly, they need to get with the program on that one. Anywho, over the next hour or so, we will be taking your questions, listeners' questions about the movie, and we will be discussing it in great detail. This is a spoiler special podcast. So if you have not seen It Chapter 2, then stop listening. Honestly, what are you doing? Ridiculous. But if you have seen It Chapter 2, then you'll be delighted to know that I'm joined by our very own Losers Club. Oh. Yay. It's a compliment. <laughs> it's a compliment. Losers Club are a wonderful group of people. Yeah, they are. Wonderful group of people. Uh, we're joined by our geek queen, Helen O'Hara. How are you? I am very well, thank you. I have mostly recovered from the trauma of watching this film. Scary film. Scary film. Your hair is winter fire. <laughs> January embers. My heart burns there too. Aww. He's oh, so that's cute. Nice. That's, that's very, very good. Um, we're also joined by Ben Travis, as you've heard. Hey! What? A Ben! We have a Ben. Whoa. I am also ripped. <laughs> Extraordinarily <laughs> ripped in a way that you possibly wouldn't expect. Yep, I've often said this about you, Ben. You are ripped and mm. cut. Mm-hmm. Mm. Shredded. Even. Shredded, in mm. fact, yes. You have, you have abs that you could, you know, grill a waffle on. Punch you do that? A clown with? Can you, you? Wait, you don't punch you got, with abs. You've got clown you? punching abs. Mm. Ben, I would say you're not just penny wise, you're pound foolish, and I'm delighted that you're here. Very exciting times. Thanks. But before you hear the three of us giggling idiots talk about this movie in great detail, let's hear from the two non giggly non idiots who made the movie, and that's the brother sister directing producing team, Andy and Barbara Muschietti. Uh, I spoke to them last week in a London hotel room and got into a lot of stuff about this movie. Not everything, because we only had 25 minutes and this is a movie, in case you haven't checked, that's nearly three hours long. So there's a lot of stuff that we didn't get around to talking about. But I think we covered a lot of the major bases. So here we go. Me talking to the Muschietis. Enjoy. I'm delighted to be joined in this uh, very special spoiler special for It Chapter 2 by the director Andy Muschietti and producer Barbara Muschietti. How are you both? We're uh, great. Good, good, good. good. Not you? jet lagged. Oh, I'm jet lagged. <laughs> Me too. Just con- I just feel Where in a state of. Where are you coming of- from? I just came from Camden, but I just feel jet lagged. <laughs> it's just my natural state. <laughs> It's, it's empathy, empathy pains. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. Um, but yeah, I, I want to start with, uh, I always start these spoiler specials with a big question that's in everybody's lips. Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? How did that happen? Well, yeah, I became friends with Peter uh, through my very good friend and mutual friend, uh, Axel Kuchevaski. He's mm-hmm. uh, uh, Argentinian, but he, you know, he's a huge uh, movie buff. Um, Axel knew that one of my favorite movies was uh, Paper Moon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he invited me to a dinner with, with Bogdanovich, and I, I was like, what? No, how could, no, I'm getting too nervous to meet Peter Bogdanovich. <laughs> and it just went, and we had like a wonderful, uh, you know, dinner together. He's obviously like an encyclopedia of, of yep. film, and yep. his, uh, very, you know, willing to talk about his experiences, and he has a great sense of humor. Uh, 
So it was great. And then we did it again and again. Barbara uh, started crashing those dinners. <laughs> and one day Peter told me, uh, hey, you don't happen to have a, a role for an old director, do you? <laughs> well, it just so happens. Like, well, it happens <laughs> as, as it happens. I have a. Sh- <laughs> uh, actually, it's a set. Yeah, it's, I do. It's a scene with a movie set. Uh-huh. Well, one of the characters, Bill Tembro, stuttering Bill, Big Bill, uh, just goes, you know, with his. Uh, he's writing the screenplay uh, of the movie, uh, which is actually an adaptation of his own book. Yes. Um, And you know, and he gets some shit from the director, and that yeah. director is called Peter, and that's him. <laughs> yeah. He did a great um, job. He's not only a great director and an actor, but yeah. he's also a director whisperer, because all of his uh, all of his conversations happen happen very close to your ear. Oh, really? Yes, and he okay. has a very soft voice, and you know, he had Orson Welles living in his house. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, all 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 the stories start like that, and, uh, and it's like, <laughs> where am I? It's amazing. It's, that's cameo number one. I wanted to talk about cameo number one. Of course, the the the, the scene grew a lot when he when he signed. Uh, he oh, signed really? In and uh-huh. yeah, we're just like make it make it make the the, the part a little more substantial, <laughs> and it's really funny. You know, it's a, it, it ends up being every 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 one of these cameos ends up, ends up being uh you know a longer scene and somehow. A, a, Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, comedy is one thing I want to talk about as well because there's a lovely balance of comedy and horror in yeah. this movie uh, at certain points. But before we get on to that, let's talk about Mr. King as well mm-hmm. because uh, you know this isn't just an author cameo. He gets a scene. You actually he has he gets to act alongside you know his creation, Bill Denbro, which must been which must must have blown his mind. I could imagine. How did that How did that come about? Yeah, I think he was thrilled. You know that that I asked, and he said, "Well, you have to." You have to have in mind that I'm I'm a bit of a jinx. Uh, all the <laughs> all the movies I was in uh, just bombed. <laughs> you have to know this before. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, no, I I I wouldn't worry about this. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and if it like you know if it's, this is true, let's like just like well, you know who to blame, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it's not going to happen, but <laughs> you just go straight to King and go. I was touching it's your in, fault. In, so in Argentina, we're, we're we have some, we're somehow superstitious. So you you know every time that that uh, you know bad luck is is mentioned or something that brings bad luck uh, appears, you you can conjure it by touching your left nut. <laughs> with your right the, hand the, the Italians do it too it's uh, yeah, we get it from the Italians okay <laughs> right. yeah so it's just like you just lift the, the curse with that just touching your left nut so when Stephen wrote me that I just t- touched my left <laughs> nut and, and said it's gonna be fine Steve we're gonna do good yeah and um, and let the record show Andy just did it again just <laughs> just just to let the record state <laughs> oh my god I didn't even notice that I was doing it was it. just a subconscious thing it's, you know, it's, just, yeah. it's just one of those things uh, but he's great and it, it, it comes in the middle of a run of scenes where uh, the main characters are being beset by Pennywise and are being mm-hmm. beset by, mm-hmm. by ghoulish apparitions mm-hmm. and so it's a really interesting scene because you're on edge thinking is King one of these apparitions as well But you play it quite straight, and it actually, it's it's really lovely that he's the guy who sells silver yeah. back to Bill yeah. Denbro. Yeah, it was, it was that's the great thing of you know infusing some humor in a in a horror drama, which is uh, people uh, don't know what they're gonna get at the end of the scene, 
and that's part of the of the whole uh, unpredictability of the of the narrative mm. and that's great because people are on their on the edge of the seats apart from because of the story or where the story is going is they don't know whether if they're going to get a joke or or a chopped of arm at the end of it <laughs> <laughs> sometimes when, sometimes both you know when we when we start watching the movie with people um we we realize people get triggered by by things that we hadn't even thought about that were not planned okay such as um do you want to go into the quarry for instance no there's a scene like in the, in the quarry in the first movie when when you know like the kids are bonding and, mm. and for the first time like uh, beverly is, is part of the of this group for the first time and they're sort of like playing and splashing around the water at the end of that scene uh something touches uh richie's foot mm. un underwater mm. And they all look down, and it's like, what, 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 what is that? Mm. What is it? It's a mm. turtle. It's a turtle. <laughs> and they all submerge. They all go down uh, yeah, uh, yeah. under the water, and we camera goes into the water, and it's a, you know, a, a veiled uh, green screen for a while, and people are on their, you know, on the, on the edge of the seat there for some reason that I wasn't, you know, calcul <laughs> I didn't calculate at all. It was like an edit thing. You know, it's uh, and anything that wasn't was calculated, and the next thing we know, we cut to the you know the stereo machine blasting. Uh, uh, it's about expectations, I guess. People yeah. are con are conditioned to expect something. Oh. Even at the end, for example, after Absolutely. after Pennywise has been uh -huh. uh, banished, even that that last moment in the uh, in the lake where they're swimming mm -hmm. as an audience you're almost conditioned to expect one last shock one last something rising from the dead uh it's really no, interesting at that point it's all it, it, it's all joy it's all just yeah taking friendship. it easy yeah no it's really interesting and, and and going back to this idea of um of of balancing comedy and horror and finding comedy yeah. in unexpected places in this in this movie as well uh for example that the sequence where were bowers stabs eddie yeah. that's a really funny sequence and it's very <laughs> grotesque and yeah it's very violent and yeah. there's a lot of blood and eddie's a beloved character you don't know if he's gonna get out alive of that one yeah and still it's funny you know it's uh yeah i love that scene and is that from a directing point of view mm -hmm. how do you is that something that you engineer mm -hmm. deliberately is that something that is based around the performances You know, James Ranson is really funny in this movie, for example. I think it. Uh, the, I deliberately wanted uh, like a, a little texture of what Eddie always is, which is like uh, neurotic and awkward. So just like going dramatic, uh, and that scene would would have been like forced, I think. Mm. So there was like some some level of humor that had to be. Uh, and when James started doing it, I fuck it, I started like you know like like laughing my my ass my ass off yeah. because what he does is so unique in that scene. You know, he's trying to starve him. He has a, he has a knife in his in his <laughs> in, in his uh, in the like stabbed like uh, you know buried in his face, and he starts still having a conversation with yeah. uh, with yeah. Henry, yeah. Uh, who says he told me to do that. Whoa, who did, who told you that? <laughs> uh, and as he was, and so I, I, I got excited, and I, so I told him, you know, okay, you're gonna go back into the, into this, uh, into the bathtub, and you're gonna close the curtain, you know, like, uh, like this weird, uh, like, ridiculous uh, mechanism of survival, in yeah. which you think that just yeah. by hiding, yeah. you're gonna like, save, like <laughs> if, save, can't, if he can't see me, save yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And just the idea is ridiculous, yeah. you know, but it's pathetic. It's like it reminds me of, I, I mean, these things always come from something that, uh, that you experienced or you saw at one point in your life. And I remember uh, in, in, in Stanley Kubrick's Lolita, mm-hmm. um, Peter Sellers, like trying, you know, to avoid getting killed by, uh, yeah. by James Mason, I think it was. Uh, and he does a similar thing. He just like you know tries to like divert the situation with humor, and then he hides himself behind like a huge uh, yeah, picture frame, like yeah, yeah. painting that is like lying on the wall. Yeah. And he just hides there, and then he gets like like murdered. <laughs> yes. Uh, you go slightly in a different direction. Than with this yeah. One. And I was thinking of that scene, and I, I, I it's sort of like uh, I, I first came up with the scene, and then I remember where like that sort of reference, like sort of like uh, yeah. Uh, you know but such a lovely twist on it and and again and there's there's other things as well where you you lean into the influences towards the end as Mm -hmm. as the head of uh, young Stan sprouts spider legs immediately as a horror fan you're thinking oh this I've seen this before this this feels a little bit like the thing (laughs) and then you lean into it you really do lean into it not only by replicating that shot well that happened in the the day having that line you know on the day because you know like the spider didn't necessarily come from from the from the ref, from from the thing the spider itself like you know the legs coming out of the it just didn't or not consciously at least and uh we were uh, with you know Bill Hader and I were there and like man I should I think I should say something here and I'm like well what why don't we just like you know like in the in the thing right yeah and the guy looks at the spider well, what was it? And so we, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you gotta be fucking kidding me." That's what he said, right? So we confirmed that that was it. Was it is? And he just said it, and we had a lot of fun. You know, those those things are not calculated, but you know, they they just come up on the on the day, and oh man, and it's great. And, yeah. and Bill Bill Hader is a great, uh, is a is a huge, uh, yeah. you know, film buff. And oh he's, God, yeah. and he's a he's a, he's a laughing cue. He's a human laughing cue, and when. Again, when we see the film with with people, they they start laughing and relaxing the second he gets on yeah. screen, which is I've never seen that yeah. ever. He's I, a, yeah, he's an enormously likable presence. <laughs> yeah. It's great. He's very he's a very reassuring figure, uh, even when he's panicking and screaming. <laughs> uh, there are, I mean, there's so much to get into. I mean, this is a film that's nearly three hours long, based in a book that's two forty five, fourteen hundred page. Well, yeah, two forty five. That's that's nearly three hours, Barbara. <laughs> but it's based in a book that's 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 fairly lengthy, as I recall. And uh, there's so much to get into. And there are some interesting changes as well from the book. I don't know if mm-hmm. you can both speak about those. For example, uh, Audrey doesn't play a, a, as big a role in the book, uh, mm-hmm. neither does uh, Bev's husband. Was that something that was in there initially? The idea that Pennywise, because he brings Bowers the, the, uh, as to the town as a, mm-hmm. as a surrogate. Yeah, was there an idea that Audra and, and Tom were in the in the in the in the film for I a while as well? Uh, I considered Audra and Tom like returning, but you know, from like it was like for me, it was like too much diversion from the main plot. I think it like the the I think the book, the story in the book suffers from from that. From you know too many plot like subplots happening at the same time, and if it, even if it's not a bad thing on the book, uh, and you still like you know sort of get uh, you know uh, dragged in the in the tension of that of those storylines, it's not a good idea for the for the for a film mm-hmm. narrative. 
for a film, you know, language where everything has to be like a little more consequential. You ha you can't like you know really like spend a lot of time on, on subplots that people eventually will not care about mm -hmm. uh, because they are lesser threatened. They're they're a lesser threat. And it so it sort of happened. Uh, you know, this this is probably something that I learned from experience in the first movie in chapter one. As interesting as Henry Bauer's character is uh, as a kid, and he's a bully, and he's like a threat, like a physical, like real, present, and, and real danger for the for the for the losers. Mm -hmm. Whenever we we spend time uh, with Bauer's at home, trying to humanize him or trying to explain what why he's like that or like the trauma from you know having an abusive father yeah. with a cop. Uh, People didn't care. Oh, really? People did not care, and, and they showed it. You know, test screenings, they were like, yeah, Bowers, we don't care about Bowers. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not that they it's... didn't care about Bowers, it's just like the, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the time that we spent away, the, the time that we spent away from the losers and, their, and, their, and, and the, sure, sure. The, the story moving forward. Uh, so it, it ends up being, you know, I, I didn't want to repeat that. Uh, this is where the miss, focus is yeah. as well. And from a from an antagonistic standpoint as well, Pennywise is the villain of the story. He's the master. Yes. Yeah. You know, so we, anything that distracts from that propulsion um, is, is going to annoy people at some point of the movie. And of course, this is such... If we had had two characters instead of seven, you know, of course, <laughs> the, you know, subplots would be more welcome but we we had seven full stories that we had to cover <laughs> so it was uh, it was tricky and there's you know the book has you know the Stanley Uris Patty Uris mm -hmm, episode mm -hmm. you know chapter I'm yeah. sorry about you know about them not having children mm -hmm. and their life in Atlanta and her desire to you know be part of the country club but being Jewish it is you know, from the literary standpoint, it, mm. it's so wonderful and it's such a great read, but it's almost impossible to put in, in this adaptation. You, yeah. you can just hint at yeah. it. And uh, we, you've talked in the past about, you know, the changing what happens to Mike in the book as well uh, yeah. uh, for, for this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, was that important to you as well to... Well, yeah, there's there's changes that that come from... They're not happy about it. <laughs> the cops. All these changes come from 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 the translation that you do from you know a, 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 a literary narrative to a to a film you know narrative where you, you basically have to uh, make all all the events consequential you have to raise crank up the tension all the time and make it you know live in a in a, in a in almost in a real time you know to just make it a, a great film experience uh in the book uh the purpose of mike's investigation is not too clear of course he's like you know invested in in finding out about the story of of, of pennywise and it and he like interviews all these people in the movie he has a clear purpose of trying to find the weapon that will that you can destroy it with so he reaches a dead end you know, like by interviewing all the people of, of town, like reading everything about that was written about the history of, of Derry. And he eventually uh, finds uh, a alleged 
uh, weapon in the in a ritual mm. that the native mm. Amer- the, the, the native community that used to live in Derry uh, had you know forged uh, and uh, and he uses that and it's the ritual of Chud. Mm. The ritual of Chud is in the in the book is something that the kids discover that Bill discovered by reading. Uh, but this is something that I, I was, you know, everything has a function in this movie. And the ritual of Chud has, uh, you know, so Mike first, he has a very, like, determined purpose of finding the weapon to kill Pennywise. And when he finally reaches a dead end, he decides to use the only weapon that he knows that can work. And that weapon is the power of belief. Yeah. Now, the losers are not kids anymore. So in this in the logic of this world, uh, adults don't have that power. Yeah, and they don't have the power of unified belief, which is actually the only thing that works. Uh, as he as he witnessed, like in 1989, when they were in the in the cistern, and all the kids thought that that stun bolt was was loaded, and Mike was the only one who knew that it was not loaded, and mm. he keeps repeating, "It's not loaded. It's not loaded." And all the kids are like, "Kill it!" Kill it, kill it, kill it. And the result of that is that there's a <laughs> the stumble fires and yeah. they end up uh, drawing a hole in, in Pennywise's uh, forehead. Yeah. So Ritual of Chud is uh, the only thing that, that Mike can bring to uh, make these people believe again. It's a lie. Yeah. And there are interesting spoiler stum- alert. <laughs> it's, a, it's a spoiler special as well. Um, there are interesting stumbles along the way, also. And it, there's, there's a, 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 as Mike m- maybe overpromises a little bit about what the ritual can do or about his faith in the ritual. And I thought that was an he interesting wrinkle know. as well. Yeah, he doesn't know what, what, what he knows is that if they don't do something, it, it will happen again. So yeah. and it is happening again. Yeah. Uh, and that's what he's been waiting for for 27 years. Um, Just to go right to the uh, the idea of the very end of the film as well. I mean, Pennywise can represent a whole manner of things to a whole manner of people uh, in, in different ways. Looking at a movie in this day and age, it's very, very hard for me to get the idea of Trump and trolls on the internet and incels and all that sort of stuff out of my head. You have this idea where at the end of the film where people come together uh, for noble purpose and take the power away from a, a figure of evil. Now, are you influenced by current day events when you're when you're thinking about that? How can you not be? <laughs> yeah. You know, and and there's something that you know, yeah, we can talk about world leaders and many other things, but um, I think what what is incredibly important, and it's something that at least. For me, it took me a long time to associate with the book. Uh, I I certainly did not read it like that when I was 15, but it's, um, you know, apathy, um, which in the book is reflected as the forgetfulness, this fog that, you know, basically um, stands over dairy and everybody forgets. And Mm. that's apathy. Yeah. That's what happens when we just pretend things are not happening yeah. and we don't fight the people that are trying to divide us and scare us. Yeah, you know, it's a definitely, a, you know, I, I probably Stephen King had in mind, you know, this as an analogy of, of the times that were happening because, you know, the use of fear uh, as a tool to control and divide is it's not something new. Now it reached like obscene levels. Yeah. 
uh, where you like see it in the it's like so like like uh, evident evident and obscene that it's like how are not people like just like revolting against this more you know so I like I like to you know to 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 use this 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 movie as an analogy of of, of what like living in a, in a culture of fear where like you know a monster can use. <laughs> Uh, fear is mm. a weapon to you know just divide its its victims and yeah. turn turn them against but it, but it each a, other. You know, it is it is a global trend. It's nothing. You yeah, know, of course, we cannot yeah. keep it to one continent. <laughs> no, no, no. True, believe me, mm. it's as pertinent here as it is anywhere else. Um, the beginning of the movie has the uh, the attack on the gay couple, which is from the book as well. Yeah. But did did you consider? changing the circumstances of that given that this takes place largely in the present day um were you concerned about potential pushback on that from from audiences in terms of an attack no. on, a, on a gay couple no 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 because it's a, i think it's like you know, a story that talks about you know the dark of the darkness in in human behavior and uh you know the uh, like you know uh, bigotry and mm. homophobia which are things that are still like going on uh, so it's if it's you know it's a story that 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 regardless of the supernatural monster that that lives in this world uh, Stephen King is making a comment about like the horrible like behavior that we that within within you know these communities in the send in the middle of like an Amer like America yeah. and small town America uh, uh, especially in these days like Leave, leaving like all, all these things uh, apart would be like a little like you know like uh, omitting something that is uh, that is horrible that is going on right now in our in our, in our society. Yeah. yeah, it almost feels as well that in some way, yeah. Pennywise or that apathy you were talking about, Barbara, has infected mm -hmm. and infested uh, those attackers at the beginning of the movie. And then just very very quickly, one last uh, thing. Uh, there's a lovely thread throughout the movie where Bill keeps being ripped by people about how he <laughs> how, how he sucks at endings and how his endings don't work. And whenever you put that into a movie, you guys must have been really working hard making sure your ending didn't suck. So how did you go about how did you go about that? No, how hard did you work on that? How many iterations did it go through? I wasn't. I was never like worried. Of course, when you're you're when you're constructing, you know, you're building the story and you're working with the screenwriters, you're always concerned about the ending and make it a, you know an ending that is consistent with the with with the journeys and you know the struggles of the characters and and the final confrontation and the outcome of that. Um, But uh, I, I felt confident. I always felt confident about the ending, uh, especially because you, we you departed a little. You felt confident when you found it. Um, Did it take a while to find? Yeah. In terms of the ending, you know, the final showdown with Pennywise, or the or the what, what comes afterwards? No, I was pretty sure that I wanted a uh, an ending that that like that was you know an intimate uh, resolution. Uh, that you know was a payoff of those like the emotional journeys uh, and struggles of the of the characters. You know, unlike the the book, which totally has that, but also like it it lives in a bigger like you know overblown uh, destruction of of the city of Derry. Yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to you know distract uh, from from the emotional uh, conclusion uh, that I wanted. You know, so it, it's 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 about like the, the 
feelings. So the, the ending in, in this movie lives in the feelings of, of, of the characters more and into a huge spectacle of destruction. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so, no, I wasn't, I wasn't like totally, I was never, I don't think I was like worried <laughs> about like, like not, not delivering a good ending. Uh, even though I was criticized by, by the ending of Mama, which I still, <laughs> you know, because you were there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people hate the ending of Mama, and I, 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 I see it in perspective now, and it's like, okay, I, you know, it, I, that there's people that hate it doesn't mean that it's not good or it's not consistent, you know? Uh, yeah. It just, I think that the ending of Mama was uh, the mistake that they probably, like, uh, blamed me for is... Uh, that I, it's like a little bit of humanizing the the monster. So it's a monster movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and at the end, instead of like destroying the monster, you just humanize it and let her actually like get away with yeah. with with yeah. killing killing a child. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I thought so die. too. She doesn't die. I still <laughs> right. like. I still believe that she doesn't die. <laughs> so I think it was frustrating for a lot of people that wanted to see like Mama destroyed, uh, which would be like the 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 the, the norm. Yeah, true. In, in movies like that, and and also I guess that some people also like you know uh, resented the use of CG. I guess I don't know. I'm done with that. People, people will nitpick anything, Andy. Honestly, uh, but uh, but this has been it's it's been really fun talking to you guys again, both for an it chapter two spoiler special and a mama spoiler special as well. Right there at the end, just snuck it in. I liked it. That was fun, uh, Andy Barber. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, you thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so that was Andy Muschietti and Barbara Muschietti, and uh, I think they enjoyed that. I think they enjoyed the spoiler special, the spoiler therapy, as Ryan Reynolds once dubbed it. I've been able to unburden themselves of all the things they haven't been able to talk about for the last two years or so whilst making this movie. Um, and we should say before we begin that we didn't do a spoiler special for the first eight, mm. largely because I don't think they were in the Muschietti's we're in and we like to have uh, filmmaker conversations for these spoiler specials. But maybe also because it took everyone by surprise, the first one, in that it became something of a phenomenon in a way, weird way. Yeah, we certainly all liked it, I think. Um, yeah, I so really easy. liked it. It's one of those films that for me... Um, I think if you ask me, oh, what are the best films of the last couple of years? It's not something that would immediately jump out. But the more I think about it, it's so, I think it's incredibly well made mm. and very well done. But at the same time, it's so supremely entertaining. I really, really like the first it. Yeah. Probably more than this one, actually, which I'm sure we'll get into. But Yeah, that's fair. I think it, it did that. I think it was around the time that everybody was going nuts for Stranger Things and I was mm. not on the Stranger Things bandwagon. I was really a little bit underwhelmed by it at first. I still haven't seen a single episode. I mean, it's it's fine, but um but this got me much more than than that did. I it was like everything that everybody's saying about Stranger Things I think is true of it. I think it has that nostalgia, it has that that kick that you wanted, it has that Stephen Kinginess, obviously, mm-hmm. um, that that Stranger Things aspired to, and and it just had great performances from those kids, and it just looked so stylish as well. I mean, that mm-hmm. Pennywise instantly for me overtook uh, the the Tim Curry really? version. Really, yeah, interesting. Um, so it it was. I thought it was just enormously effective, and I just thought as well, splitting up the time periods was something that worked really, really well. That's really interesting because. There was a danger that it might have had John Carter syndrome mm. in that it comes along after the thing that it inspired. Have, have rift, everybody's yeah. rift on it. Everyone's yeah. rift on it and, it and it's huge. And it's, yeah. It goes gangbusters and then that comes along and everyone's like, I've seen this. Yeah. So there was a chance that maybe 
people, in fact, legitimately, there might be people who are going, "What is this Stranger Things knockoff that I'm seeing in, in cinemas?" <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there. I'm sure there are a few of those because I think you know, again, that's been such a phenomenon. Um, but I mean, this is one of Stephen King's biggest hits of the '80s. Again, it's probably not my favorite King book. That would be probably Salem's Lot or The Stand. Actually, I think those are phenomenal books. But again, he's so good at making a town come to life. Mm. He's so good at a community. He's yeah. su- he, he is, he's a writer of such detail and such texture. And I felt like the, the, this film and the last one got that texture right. Um, so even when, you know, there wasn't an obviously scary thing happening, it had that texture, it had that those character beats, it had those little moments between terrifying incidents that that kind of kept you interested for me that's what it is it's the characters mm. like i watch a lot of horror stuff i feel like i'm fairly desensitized i don't find either of these films particularly scary but um especially in the first film the thing i was scared for was something bad happening to these characters because i you just like them instantly and i think um between the writing and especially the performances of the kids and then the way that those characters are then caught up with in in chapter two years later i think they do an incredible job of of kind of matching up the 27 years later cast the the characters in this are so strong and they are so well defined and each very distinct but also extremely believable of of coming from this kind of small town american background Uh, yeah i i I really cared about them i really cared which makes some Mm. of the stuff that comes in in chapter two pretty heartbreaking it was i was like more sad than scared by uh, by chapter two but not that's not a criticism i just where it goes hit me hard yeah no i i totally agree with that i uh i'm a huge i'm a huge stephen king fan i love it although i haven't reread it in a long long mm. time because it's daunting guys it is and it's like there are things in the book that i don't enjoy i mean the, the whole running there's, joke about problems with the ending i mean, i have huge problems i mean there's with the there's there's that thing that happens in, that when, the, thing when the kids happens. yeah get lost in the yeah and 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 it was a super good idea for it chapter 1 to not do that super that good. was a super brilliant idea that is a massive improvement on the book to not have a group sex scene with your teenage protagonists i think that's that i think we can all agree that was an important oh, i was almost something completely different uh, i know the, the <laughs> other bit with the ending with the whole cosmic turtle and stuff that it's oh, that also bit. i'm also okay with them not doing that i don't know it was good enough for terry pratchett look cosmic turtles are terry pratchett's thing and i'm not having stephen king technically speaking king got there first i'm not sure he did i think he did mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> I think I have maths on my side for that one, but uh, yeah, there was a little nod to it. Did you see? There was a, in one of the scenes, there was a, a, a giant—well, not giant, but a, a fairly big statue of a turtle at mm. one point. That's one of the things I—I I, I, I know we're getting off characterization immediately, and we will start taking listeners' questions. That's how we're going to shape this particular podcast. Uh, but that's one of the things I really liked about this movie. I think actually, I preferred this to it, chapter one. Uh, which, you know, I thought was a fine effort, a decent horror, and was is really important in, along, I think, with the work that Jordan Peele is doing, of making horror more commercial and, and, and to allow horror to burst out of this niche that it's in. You know, it's great that we have all these elevated horror movies, these psychological horror movies of recent years, the likes of, you know, the, uh, of It Follows and The Witch and whatnot, mm. and, but, and Midsommar and the work of Ari Aster, but no one's, these aren't, busting any blocks whereas this felt like a phenomenon and, yeah. and, and that's why 
I thought the first movie was important, but I preferred this one because of what it did. I thought the characterization, what it did, some of the risks it took with the characterizations were were interesting. But I also like how batshit insane this one is. I mean, mm. it really, apart from the omission of Maturin, the cosmic turtle, <laughs> it goes for it. It doesn't because yeah. I I and it goes really early as well. I said, oh they're oh oh they're they're doing the ritual of Jude. Oh mm. okay. Oh they've gone. Oh it, they're fully going for it. Is a space alien. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. They're going for that yeah. because you know King was making the shit up as he went. <laughs> pretty much as far as far as my understanding of it goes. Yeah. Uh, so they they had leeway there to maybe change it. Maybe go. Actually, no. He's more of a. There's more of a demonic mm-hmm. thing going on here. But no, this is full blooded uh, alien gobbledygook, and I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that that was fun. Um, the the whole ritual thing and and the you know. It's, it's not a million miles from an Indian burial ground, is it? In in Pet Cemetery, it, it, that felt a little bit overly familiar. Um, that isn't in the book, really. The, the ritual is, but they they have their own ritual in the book. Mm-hmm. If you remember, they mm-hmm. they inhale the smoke themselves. There's no sort of oh, I went to the tribe outside town. Yeah, all kind that of stuff. Thing. And, and to give that, Mike more things to do, I think. Yeah, I think I might have preferred it if he hadn't involved. Other people, because that felt a little bit exploitative. But um, mm-hmm. but otherwise, uh, yeah, that the ritual stuff was kind of weird and barmy. And of course, immediately fails and doesn't have the desired effect, which is always kind of fun when people have a great inspired idea of how it's going to all play out. And I'm sure we'll get into this as well. But the the ritual or the version of the ritual here gives the gives this film its structure. It gives it its plot. The mm. sort of driving thing of each member of the Losers Club having to go and find their sort of totem mm. um, so that they can actually perform the ritual. Because I haven't read the book, but from what I understand in the book, it's it's different that they just kind of all go back to town and it takes place over a slightly longer period of time. Whereas, yeah, there's a lot of changes in the, uh, in the book. Yeah. Whereas this gives them a reason. They've all come back to town because they said they would, but the ritual and the idea of having to find your totem and bring it back to do the ritual adds a bit more kind of drive to, to the narrative for mm. this one. It is interesting. Well, there are a number of changes in the book, uh, some of which I miss, some of which I don't miss. But the idea of the totems is interesting. The idea that Bill Denbro's totem is the boat that Georgie made mm. the day that he got killed by Pennywise is interesting because the movie, it almost seems like it's setting up the idea that Silver, the bike, is the totem. Yeah. How are you going to get a bike? Yeah into that little container to burn it. I've no idea. So maybe that's why they decided to check this in it. But then again, you know, maybe the container can fit whatever you put into it. Who yeah. knows? Um, because silver is such an important part of the book. And it is, it is given its own very important scene here mm. uh, where obviously Stephen King cameos yeah, and yeah. You, 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 the significance of the bike is built up to the point where you think it's got to come into play. And how it comes to play in the book is really interesting because Audra... Uh, Bill's wife, who is seen in one scene here, comes to Derry as well and is captured by Bev's husband, abusive husband, who has followed her back to, to Derry under the uh, influence of Pennywise as well, who's basically saying, come, come, come to Derry. Same way he, he controls Henry Bowers in this. And uh, she falls into a catatonic trance. And to get her out of this trance at the end after they've banished Pennywise... Uh, the chapter's called Bill Denver Beats the Devil, part two. And he races, he gets on silver with her in the back and races down the streets of, of Derry 
and something supernatural begins to happen. He starts to pick up speed and the wind and, and everything begins to and, and, and it wakes it awakens her from her catatonic state. Mm. And that's how that's really important. Mm. And here Silver just seems to be kind of jettisoned a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I felt that scene played really oddly just because it wasn't followed by anything else. Um, and and it it's quite a long scene actually, and or a couple of scenes. I really liked really. it. Uh, I liked, I liked scene, it a yeah. lot. I mean, obviously, it's you know Stephen King being in there, which was cool, and mm-hmm. you were like, "Oh, this is awesome." Um, but it it didn't seem to go anywhere particularly afterwards, and I was a little bit disappointed. Like yourself, I thought that that would play into the ritual. I thought that would have a, a role of, of some sort, and it just didn't. And also, I mean, Bev's abusive husband that also felt uh, thrown away. It felt like they were setting something up, that they were setting up a, a confrontation, a way for her to get free. And then they just didn't mention it again. And it's just what her new man is just going to take care of that. You know, that feels cheap in a way that this film generally does not. Um, so I, I wanted her to take a little bit more yeah. power there and a little bit more. Because, you know, OK, there's the, the scene where she's walking out and she puts her wedding ring down. But yeah. I felt like he wasn't going to give up that easy and, and it, it felt hurried and and a little bit lame. I think part of it is that that scene, I mean, the film opens with two extremely brutal mm. kind of, yeah, scenes of abuse that are really horrifying to watch. They're more horrifying to watch than anything else yeah. in the rest of the film or in either of the films, to be honest, um, especially obviously the homophobic attack at the start, which is very visceral. I can understand that would be very troubling for a lot of people to watch. And again, yeah. the scene with Bev and her husband, I mean, for me... Uh, not knowing where this story was going or what was going to happen with this, um, with the characters all grown up. I felt really kind of emotionally sideswiped by when you drop in on them all again and you see these very strong echoes of of their childhoods in their adult life. Mm. And I think the only, the main reason that Bev's maybe feels underplayed, like you said, that is she takes the ring off and then she's with Ben, but there's nothing. I think it's just because that opening attack is so horrendously brutal that it, it probably needed something at the end. Yeah. Um, but things I love uh, the slight change I understand from the book that Eddie is now a um, a risk analyst instead of a I think he has a limo rental yeah. company yeah, yeah, in, the, yeah. Um, yeah. in the book um, and that Bill's wife looks a lot like Bev she's got sort of yeah. ginger bob haircut and yeah. Yeah, all these little sort of echoes through and that scene where they each get their phone call and they each react in that different way with the car crash and yeah. throwing up. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. Mm. I thought the first hour of this movie was terrific. Yeah. I, I really did. I thought it was uh, absolutely fantastic. And the, the the last hour, 45 minutes or so, is still very, very good and very, very effective and has some great, great scenes. But the first hour, I thought, oh, okay, well, we're in for something truly special here mm. because they're taking their time with the characterizations and... They're just really, really likable actors. Oh, yeah, they are. I mean, yeah, they're just they're so fucking good. The um, Chinese restaurant scene. Is yeah, so oh, good. I, you would just spend three hours with them hanging out and catching mm. up. and um, Yeah. It's, again, not that I keep I keep banging this drum on the on spoiler specials, but it seems like one of those movies where you just well, you want to hang out with these people, and then custom dictates. I've said this before, but custom dictates that there has to be a plot, and there has to be a bad guy, and there has to be a thing for them to defeat. And I that's mean, why? I mean, yeah, I'd be more than happy to sit around with them. But it's a Richard Linklater version yeah. where it's just like yeah. a hangout film. Yeah, and Jim Jarmusch like, is it. Yeah. Oh my god! Can you imagine the Richard Linklater it, where he actually would have filmed the kids, and then twenty-seven, 27 years, years later, later he would have caught up with them. 
But he would have required Bill Skarsgård to stay the same age the entire time. <laughs> That's the level of dedication. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd, I, I wouldn't put it past Bill Skarsgård. Somehow yeah. I feel that those Skarsgård, those genes are pretty damn good. Um, should we take some questions? Let's do it. Okay. I'm going to take them as best I can in the order in which they were sent. This is from... Tez D. Joker, 64. All the spookiness, all the scares. Oh, by the way, these are all Twitter, by the way. These are all, these are all people sliding into my DMs. All the spookiness, all the scares, all the mind fuckery. But can you answer why Pennywise's forehead is so huge? <laughs> because it's full of all the ideas of how he's going to spook them. He has so many ideas of how every single person needs to be individually terrified. Yep. Um, and that sort of inflates his large head. I mean, I can't possibly argue with that. I mean, there's also a very long tradition of big four-headed aliens in science fiction history. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to the very first episode of Star Trek ever. So I feel like that's part of a long and noble tradition of weirdos from outer space. Like the leader. The leader's not an alien yeah. from the Marvel comics, but he's, he's still he's, a bad He's got that look, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. he Either does that, have that look. It's, it's why Regina George's hair is so big, because it's full of secrets. Full of secrets. Ah, there we go. Figured it out. Also because he's a big old spider dude. And spiders have massive, what, so the legs, they massive have, heads with loads of eyes. Do they? I mean, oh. yeah, yeah, ma- yeah, loads of eyes, certainly. That's where he keeps the legs. Massive, what? At Anxious Batman asks, don't know if this counts as a spoiler question or not, but what did you think of the reference to the thing? I liked it at first, but thought Bill Hader's line was a step too far. Now, as people have heard, I asked the Muschietis that, and it was kind of a weird bit of improv, actually, that they realised, oh, this <laughs> looks like the thing, so let's just roll with it. Oh. But I liked it. Mm. And there's, there's a couple of moments later on, there's obviously the Shining reference, and there's a, there's a moment where Eddie and Richie, the camera is whipping past him. It reminded me a lot of a very specific shot in Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead, yeah. So I think say. that, you know, Muschietti's really having a lot of fun with, yeah. with the end of this movie. He's, he's very much steeped in horror tradition, I think, in all those ways. Um, I also think we should mention Bill Hader is freaking phenomenal in this film. He's yeah. so good. Um, I didn't immediately pick up on the whole... Uh, Richie being gay and closeted oh. subtext at all, and I people have said it's it's outright text, and so I feel very stupid. I d- but yeah, um, I, yeah. but I it, did have it written on my list of questions to ask the Muschietis, and mm. I didn't get around to it, even though we did discuss the opening attack. Yeah, mm. uh, I didn't discuss whether Richie is gay because he never overtly says it. Yeah. he never mm. comes out. It's there. It's there for, to be picked up on, and maybe he even has feelings for for Eddie as well. Mm. Um, Seems like, but you the, the the scratching the e into the um, into yeah. the wood at the end felt like to me that compounded with the um, with the Street Fighter arcade sequence. Yeah, I, for me, I picked mm. up on that straight away. That was a um, to me feels like text. Yeah, I guess it's never outright stated or yeah. defined, which in a way I think is quite a good thing in itself that it doesn't need to be sort of defined or pinned down Simon, to one specific Simon thing yeah. but it's it's there as a part of his character yeah and he and he's just he's just great in this role i feel like um people are sleeping on on bill Hader generally mm. as an actor well, he's fantastic and if, if you don't watch barry then watch barry because yeah, barry is tremendous but if interesting enough we did talk about the opening attack the uh, attack on the, the the two gay guys at the beginning of the movie that homophobic assault because we have a colleague at Empire who had problems with that. He's a gay guy and he had problems with, with that. And uh, and he had also problems with Pennywise referring to Richie's potentially closeted sexuality mm. as his dirty little secret. 
it is interesting. It's an interesting thread that runs through the film. Yeah, I think the the opening attack is really upsetting, and I can see that that might feel too upsetting, frankly, disproportionately upsetting for for well, a lot of people actually in the audience. I, I mean, I think it's it's a way of just getting through to general audiences the way that Derry as a town and all its inhabitants have been twisted by this influence. I think it's a way of bringing home to people the idea that evil is not something that's unique to Derry and it's something that affects us all. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, I don't want to say it's justified for that reason, but I think that's certainly why it's there. Uh, I think justification is maybe something people can disagree on and, and I absolutely know why our colleague would not agree. Yeah. But um, but it but it is there for attempting to do something important and attempting to show us that there is real rot corruption this, yeah. and corruption in this Absolutely. town. Yeah. It's it's it is carried over from the book. Yeah. The book of course that the adult sections are are set in nineteen eighty five. Mm-hmm. Um this is set in by and large the present day, maybe twenty seventeen. Twenty sixteen or so. Twenty sixteen, yeah. twenty seventeen around around that. Uh, and given the current climate Yeah. Uh you know, with 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 racists and homophobes and misogynists mm. Uh, rising to the top in society, which is terrifying. That it actually feels like something in 1985. I think this is absolutely on point as well. I think there's, there's. I think King knows what he's doing. He's not doing this uh, by accident. Uh, you know, it's, it's about intolerance. Yeah. Clearly, uh, and I think, I think it hits home equally so today. Uh, yeah. It's more shocking today because it's, it's still the sort of thing you don't think would happen today, but it absolutely would and does. And does very regularly. And and I think that the thing with, with um, Richie as well, the idea of this being a dirty little secret, is, first of all, it's again, it's internalised fear, it's internalised homophobia, it's internalised shame and resistance to acknowledging this part of himself, um, none of which are good things. And I don't think the film for a moment is saying that they are good things or are okay things. This is a symptom of the damage that has been done to him and a symptom mm. of everything that he's been through. And and I think if you see it as, as that, again, you know, it's not, it's not good, it's not comfortable viewing, it's not the, the right way to think about things, but it is a symptom of a guy who is thinking about things the wrong way because of everything he's been through, I think. Also, the the idea that uh, Richie doesn't come out overtly mm. at the end of the film, certainly not certainly not to his friends, maybe to himself he does as well. But you should let people come out on their own terms, yeah. uh, at their own pace, on their own schedule. Yeah. And um, I think that, that for me, that that's where, where Richie is. He's not quite ready at the end of the movie, yeah. if indeed he is gay. I, I, do, I do think things are, are changing that way. I do think things are getting better that way but but you're right i mean it's still you know there are still people who are scared to talk about it nowadays and 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 that's with the taboos having fallen and fallen and fallen since the 80s i always think it's it's interesting that you know this is a book that was set in the 50s and 80s and so many of those 80s stories have a 50s feel because they were all nostalgic about their makers' childhoods, essentially. And so many 80s movies, you know, not just Back to the Future, but so many of them have just a, an, a, a 50s kind of tinge, you know, in the music. There's all that kind of nostalgia. And we're now getting that same nostalgia for the 80s and even into the 90s. Um, we're always kind of a generation removed, it feels like. And and so I, th- I thought that the updating of the of the story was actually mm. quite cleverly done and and kind of in this case uh, depressing in, in how far we haven't really come yeah absolutely uh, we have another question this is actually it pertains to that it's from out it's from at out of sites on twitter 
There's been so much talk about the opening hate crime scene. Yes, like the last five minutes, in fact. Uh, it's a brutal scene, but I found the strange in understanding why and how Pennywise was involved other than taking a bite out of the dying boy. Do you think he was more involved in causing the crime? Perhaps Pennywise had some sort of possession mm. of the homophobic group of guys like he did with Henry Bowers. Yeah. I mean, he uh, Pennywise is a symbol. Obviously, he is the, the supernatural bad guy here. But even in the first film, he is a symbol. Every single member of the Losers Club, whether it's um, Bev and her abusive dad, whether it's Eddie and his mum and her sort of Munchausen by proxy, sort of um, she's... Hypochondria. Hypochondria, yeah. yeah. She kind of pushes that onto him, whether it's um, Bill's trauma over the death of his brother, which obviously is, in air quotes, caused by Pennywise. But Pennywise is there as a symbol of these existing things in society that are evil and bad and a way of interpreting those. So I think on a literal level, yeah, Pennywise chomps him from the river. But the attack... Is, is an evil in society that, that is sort of heightened by Pennywise's presence. Mm. I don't think Pennywise affects that whatsoever. I don't think they're being possessed by Pennywise. I think he, is, that he pops up when there is sort of an evil in society yeah. that was already existing. Mm. That, it's opportunistic, I think, yeah. in his part. I, th- I if, think there, if, is, there is an element, though, of this corruption yeah. throughout Derry, that the, the proximity to him is like living in proximity to smog or something that you like you you breathe it in and you're you know you're more likely to have asthma because you live in this smog smoggy mm. area you're more likely to be a freaking psycho because mm. you live in this pennywise corrupted area and and maybe i think there's there's an element of suggesting in in certainly Bev's case and maybe in Bill's as well you're more likely to carry the the scars of that with you and to attract you know non-positive people into your life. God, this sounds a bit woo-woo. But, you know, I th- I feel like mm. no, yeah, no, no, healthy yeah. people tend to find other healthy people and damaged people sometimes, and this is a, a horrendous side effect of, of the damage that they've and the trauma they've been through, mm-hmm. seem to replicate yep. that damage and that trauma. And, and it's, it's, it's a horrific thing that people have to work through and get through. But you it, get locked you know, into a cycle. Exactly. Yeah. And I think they are locked into that cycle. Certainly Bev is when we see her. But it's also a really interesting thread about the fact that these, these, the Losers Club cannot remember the past, but the past manifests itself in mm. their various life choices as well as not just Bill's wife looks a little bit like Bev. Eddie effectively marries his mum. Yeah. I think the same actress, actually. The same actress. Exactly. That's cool. Uh, Bev effectively marries her father, you know, yeah. and they're just doomed to repeat. Ben seems to be alone. He seems to be very... You know, his his life is now very controlled. His life is now very clean and yeah. very, very absy, but <laughs> but also kind of remote from everyone else. He's literally teleconferencing into his own meeting at the beginning. You know, he's he's just kind of isolated. And again, that seems and, and to an extent, Richie, I think that fits that model as well. Mm. They're a little bit apart from everyone else. Mm. Um, and again, yeah, it's the same same issue. Mm. We have another question from at Blakeney Sam, who asks, uh, like the first film, it has uh, an over-reliance on massively telegraphed jump scares. Um, well, they worked for the people in my screening. Uh, however, there were a couple of creepy standout moments. Which moment played in your mind the most post-screening? Mine is still Mrs. Kirsch's weird pause mid-sentence. <laughs> I love how long they eat that out. The, the Just the timing of that. I think... Um, uh, Muschietti is really good at sort of at the timing of those horror beats. I agree that there are sort of telegraphed jump scare moments 
it's a mainstream horror movie. That's kind of what they do a lot of the time. Um, I don't think it too often breaks that rule of um, of like, ah, here's a loud sound that's non-diegetic. That's the mm. sort of um, jump scare rule that if it's if it's a sound within the universe, if they if they build attention by it's quiet and someone's creeping around and then there's a big bang because something's fallen over and that makes you jump. It's fair game. But if it's just a on the soundtrack, mm. not fair game necessarily. And I think he tends to stick to the the fair game. Um, jump scares Mm. but I think he's got a really great sense of timing of where you place the camera what you can see what and the character can't see um, drawing your eye to certain kind of places I I love that shot where Bev I think is looking at the picture of the Pennywise dad in the house Mm. and in the background you see Mrs. Kirsch's really like jerky walk in the background along the um uh, in the doorway I think stuff like that is just those little moments for me more than the big crazy stuff um is what Mm. sort of has stuck with me I like the big crazy stuff I like the images of the big crazy stuff the imagery of the big crazy Mm. stuff although it didn't scare me I don't know how much of it actually scared me I jumped out of my seat a few times that's for sure. The uh, the the Paul Bunyan statue with its mm. demon face made me jump. That's for sure. I'll, I'll hold my hands up. You got me. Uh, but in terms of unsettling me, yeah, the Mrs. Kirsch sequence for sure unsettled mm. me. I think that was the most effective sequence of the entire thing. Um, the moment I remember is actually the uh, the door, the not scary at all door, mm. and they open it up, and it's it's a tiny adorable puppy that is obviously about to be scary, but they wait just one or two beats longer than I thought they would. Yeah. And that freaked me out. Mm. I was like, it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary. It's going to be scary. Why hasn't it been scary yet? Oh, my God, it's going to be scary. And it still hasn't been scary. Why is this taking so long? That's one of the things I think this film does well, which is marry comedy and horror. Mm -hmm. And having Bill Hader helps an awful lot with that. He really, he he speaks to the audience an awful lot in in a lot of those scenes. Uh, Not least down to that thing line. You got to be fucking kidding me. Uh, James Ranson as well as Eddie is really, really good at puncturing really good. the tension of a scene also. Because everyone else, because Be- Bill and Bev, Bill and Ben, the Flower Pot men, <laughs> they're all, they're all, everyone's taking it seriously. And Mike especially has been, been haunted by this because he has chosen to stay behind. And so he's he's closer in a way to the psychopathy and the uh, the dark influence of Pennywise. Maybe that's why he invests so much in the ritual of Chud, even though he knows that it isn't really going to work. Mm. Maybe there's something there. But uh but Eddie and Richie are are really really funny. But the sequence that I thought worked best in terms of that blend of comedy and horror and being unsettling is a scene that doesn't have Pennywise in it at all, which is Bowers stabbing Eddie through the cheek. Oh yeah, because that is really scary, mm-hmm. but also really really funny. And there are these little odd things, and a lot of them revolve around Eddie and Richie. The scene where Eddie goes down to the basement. Of, of the pharmacy, the pharmacy mm-hmm. and the evil creature that attacks him pukes on him and then it plays Angel of the Morning for like three seconds as it pukes <laughs> this oil over him and I didn't get a chance to ask Andy and Barbara about it and I really wish I had but what the fuck was going on there? <laughs> you mentioned earlier um, Evil Dead 2 and it felt quite Sam Raimi-ish the yeah. very sort of like the monster's going to come right up to you and puke in your face and stick its tongue in your oh. face yeah. and um, and it's it's very physical It's it's the uh, the physical movement of comedy and horror at the same time that you're laughing but you're also kind of tense at the same time I think yeah. he um, that felt like his sort of little Raimi tribute there it's great as well but I, I also wonder if the, the scene with Bowers stabbing Eddie and then Eddie stabbing Bowers mm. and that's really funny as well especially when Eddie stumbles out and he's like Bowers yeah. in the bathroom 
that's really funny. But I think one of the reasons why it's effective as well, why it's creepy, is that this is something that can actually hurt the Losers Club. Yes. Bowers can actually yeah. hurt the Losers Club in a way that Pennywise can't. Because the movie very early on establishes that Pennywise has no domain over them, mostly, mm. until, of course, the end when he does. But all those scenes, as effective as they are, if everyone confronting their childhood fears. For example, I thought the flashback to young Ben with Bev, where she is actually Pennywise. I thought that was a pretty, oh, pretty yeah. effective, that was pretty, really pretty damn spooky as mm. well. But by and large, there's no jeopardy in those scenes. Like you know, as much as as much as this great visual of watching Richie watch Pennywise float over his head, uh, attached to a bunch of balloons, mm. or you know, as much as as Bill confronting Pennywise in the, in the sewer, you know that nothing's going to happen to them because Pennywise has no control over them. So I wonder I, if that's a... I never a, really I, I felt that. Even though I've been told that, I never really felt it. Um, but that is, again, because I'm a big scaredy cat, which we should never forget when discussing horror movies. It's a weird uh, distinction. And I think it's something, again, Stephen King does very well. Like a lot of his books will combine this supernatural or whatever threat with something mundane with with just a bad person uh, and i think the bad people in his books are often almost scarier than the than the you know the terrifying monster or whatever mm-hmm. you know um like oh, ace yeah. ace yeah. in uh, in mm-hmm. the body and stand by me mm-hmm. yeah because mm-hmm. you you know that guy you know that that guy is a town bully and you know that he preys on anybody he decides to and that exists in the world it's the same reason that the you know the attack at the beginning of this is so terrifying because they're real people and in even in the first chapter as well where um where henry bowers um starts carving letters into ben's stomach because that is yeah that feels very distinct to the sort of horrible things that pennywise is doing in a way that's kind of yeah more real and more visceral as much as pennywise is chomping people's arms off and pulling them into the sewers Henry with the knife on the bridge is kind of scarier mm. for me. Because you can't close your eyes and make him go away. That's, no, it's that's very tangible. Yeah, he's there. He is absolutely there. That's a big thing in King, actually. He does it. There's a recurring motif of through a lot of his books where the evil force, for whatever reason, yeah. can't manifest itself or can't hurt people directly. So it has to employ people mm. or possess people. I mean, obviously Jack Torrance in The Shining yeah. is, is, a, is he's an evil avatar. Needful things. The entire town goes yeah. freaking batshit because of things. Yeah, it's a, a certain recurring motif. They're, They're fantastic. They're fantastic, Ben. Uh, here's another question from Adbrewy underscore Chris. Do you think they spent too much time on the flashbacks with the kids and not enough time establishing the losers as the adults. I did think there was more of the kids than I expected. And I was very happy to see them because they were, as I said, phenomenal performances, phenomenal actors. um, And they really established those characters in the first one. But I do think there were a couple of times where we could have done with more of the adult losers because I think Bill, Ben and Bev were a little bit shortchanged in in how we how much we saw of their lives as adults and how much we got to know them as adults. Um, I mean, I'm surprised actually by how little... James McAvoy had to do, relatively speaking. Yeah, because Bill, Bill for me was always the lead of the book. Yeah, he's me the, too. He's the king surrogate in, yeah. in obvious ways. So, and he doesn't get quite as much to do here. And so, I actually, I kind of agree with that question. I mean, it's you know, I don't want to give up the kids stuff, but yeah. I, I would have done with more of those people as adults. I mean, yeah, speaking as somebody who prefers the sort of generally the kid centric stuff in this story to the adult stuff, for me, I actually could have had less kids stuff in here. I think partly it's a symptom of 
they approached it and said, right, we're going to do chapter one is all the sort of first timeline and then we'll do the second film as the second timeline. And then when they were making the second film, it was like, oh, we need to have direct echoes of things that we actually Mm -hmm. haven't done yet with the kids. So we need to do sort of new versions they obviously have to put in about um, Stan's... uh, not. Yes, yeah, Stanley's um, sort of shower cap in mm-hmm. the little, and in fact, they didn't right. don't even yeah. mention the bunker. Um, it's like they have to go back and plant some more seeds that they didn't get a chance to plant first mm. time around. Um, and then when you have an echo to something that you've literally only just seen, it feels yeah. like a lot less earned. Yeah, yeah, I'm very much. I would have loved to see more of the adult stuff. And in fact, I think there's a much longer version of this movie, and I could have tolerated mm. that watching that much longer version. For example, the love triangle between Bill, Ben and Bev, such as it is, that for me could have stood to have a little bit more. Me too. Uh, because, yeah, because I just, I feel that Ben's memory comes back very, very quickly. His declaration of, of love for Ben. Bev. Bev. Ben's declaration of love for Ben. Bev. <laughs> it's just like fucking Clint Booth all over again, isn't it? <laughs> Ben's declaration of love for Bev seems to, well, not come out of nowhere, but you're also wondering, have you not fallen in love with anybody in the last 27 years? I mean, look at you for the love of God. I mean, seriously, are, you, are yeah. we meant to believe that there no lady has has floated your paper boat in the last three I, decades? I mean, I guess he must have been really working hard in his architecture and not going <laughs> out because... The architecture of his body? <laughs> <laughs> I was referring to his job. How dare you, sir? I'm sure he's had a lot of very impressive erections over the years. Buildings, guys. Obviously, Chris. Obviously. Obviously, that's a technical term in the construction industry. Anyway, (laughs) I'm not sure it was given enough, really, to head home. There's like this brief bit where she she begins to think that it may be Bill's Mm -hmm. got a torch for her, but it's never really established whether Bill does have a torch, is carrying a torch for her. It looked like there 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 were moments where I was like, oh, it's... Because I couldn't quite remember the book, and I was kind of remembering the book as Bill and Bev. Right. Yeah. Because uh, I because I probably I shipped them when I read it. That's oh, the yeah, term totally the kids ship. use. Yeah. Kids. I was writing, um, you know, Pennywise and Eddie fanfic, but you were you were going for Bill and Bev. <laughs> I was I was shipping Bill and Bev, um, but uh, but actually, uh, it does make obviously it makes more sense that the two less married people would maybe hook up. Yeah. But also, um, yeah, it it does seem that it's the nice guy who finishes first in this case, the nicest guy. The nicest, mm. most cuddly and non-threatening guy. Absolutely. And that's hope, of course, that when it comes to matters of the bedroom, he doesn't finish first. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we're getting into maybe a bit too much detail <laughs> about their life together, but sure, cool. Is that what It Chapter 3 is going to be? Just a relationship yeah. drama yeah. between Ben and Bev? Oh, Why not? Would watch. Pennywise can be the counsellor. He would be a terrible counsellor. By the way, if you can hear some drilling in the background, it's it's not uh, Bev and Ben. <laughs> it's uh, it's some workmen. We're having something built next to the studio here, which a mighty uh, erection. Uh, yes, right now there are four or five burly men beavering away on a mighty erection, and uh, it's somewhat off-putting. But uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can all get past it. Uh, I completely lost my point. Um, right, <laughs> not for the first time. Uh, at Lenny UK DJ asks for the It Chapter 2 episode is there enough footage in both chapters to put together a complete faithful adaptation of the novel 
or is there stuff missing to make that impossible? Would you watch it if it was edited together? Mm. I might watch them back to back. I'm not sure I need the intercut edit, to be honest. Um, mm. But yeah, I'd be happy to do a, do an afternoon of these. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch them back to back. Like you say, I'm not fussed about him taking chunks mm. from each bit, especially as we said before, some of the... They had to go back and do stuff in yeah. chapter two to then do the echo. Although I guess that could be satisfying. Like we were saying, yeah, that's true. That maybe some of those echoes don't feel as earned because you've only just seen the original mm. version before the yes. 27 years later echo. So if some of that stuff was put back into uh, chapter one, I don't know, that could be potentially interesting. I mean, but the book it, plays the, the two time periods more mixed up, doesn't it? Flicking back and forth. And actually, I, I thought it was really effective. The basic decision that they made when adapting it this time to just split up the two time periods I thought was just a phenomenally good decision and I'm not 100% sure I want to see the book structure I think it works on the page I'm not sure I want to see it again yeah agreed that's the point I was trying to make as well I was halfway through that before the guy started drilling about I just even growing up even reading this book I preferred the adult characters I don't know why I should have I should have uh, related more closely to the characters who were closer to my age when yeah. I read this book because I was reading Stephen King stuff a little earlier than I yep. perhaps should have been, but I always, I don't know, I always grabbed on to the adult versions of these characters. And so I would have liked to have seen character, actors of this caliber uh, maybe given an entire movie to uh, to show us a few tricks. But at the same time, it also gives us an insight into Stan a little bit. And there's some lovely bits, you know, that, that flashback to Stan mm. at, his, uh, at his bar mitzvah. I thought that was really, really lovely. And... Stan is one of the things that when you split the movie in this way, kids and adults, by doing so, Stan becomes underserved, really, out of all the characters, naturally, because he's mm. the one who takes he takes the, the early train out of the story. Uh, but I thought this movie made him important. The fact that it made his, his the memory of him was important to Richie coming back. Mm-hmm. That was important, I thought, and really nicely handled. Yeah, and I, and I think it gave uh, weight to to his choice and and almost made it feel more of a sacrifice and less of a escape i think mm. yeah that scene kind of yeah broke my heart a bit mm. at the start of the film again not knowing where these characters were going to go in in the second half um and i felt like it was very sort of empathetic towards him and quite sensitively handled and just just really tragic and especially he is the member of the the losers club i guess aside from bill obviously who loses georgie who is um sort of physically harmed the most by pennywise in chapter one um Mm. i think pennywise sort of chomps on his head he has those and he still has the scars on his face um when he's slightly older because i think yeah it gets his massive jaws kind of over the front of his face maybe that's why he remembers yeah pennywise a little bit more than the other guys he carries the physical trauma as well as Mm -hmm. the emotional trauma and I just thought it was a really, um, yeah, very emotional way for that sort of character thread to go. That he t- he he doesn't want to go back. He he, and uh, as well then that that's sort of the start of the film, but it also bookends the film because you have his letter at the end explaining his yes. choice to the other losers. And I think it kind of needs it in that moment where um, obviously they've they've defeated Pennywise, uh, and you have a sort of relief over that but um not just eddie's death but but stan's death coming back um as sort of the awful loss and tragedy that that has happened across the course of this whole story i think it also is you know one of the one of the things i've always 
loved about this story and other stories like it, uh, uh, you know, in, in King's Over, which the, the stand is very much like this as well. And it's ultimately about friendship. It's about companionship. It's about people who are noble and people who have good hearts coming together to defeat the evil. Mm-hmm. And Pennywise in this movie can be a metaphor for any number of evils that you want to to mention in the world today. Uh, this terrifying orange haired, you know, almost weirdly <laughs> fascistic mm. uh, evil guy running around the place. But enough about the current president of the United States. Hey. <laughs> but, you know, Pennywise can can represent pretty much anything. But this movie is ultimately about defeating that evil. Be, be whatever, it may, whatever it may be. Whatever it may be. Defeating it by coming together and and showing love and compassion and kindness. And I know it's really, really hokey. I know it's really hokey to believe that those those values can defeat uh can can, can defeat the opposite values. But I'm okay with a little hokey. Mm. I believe that kindness is important. I'm with Paddington and Stephen King on this one. If we're kind and, and polite, the world will be right. You know what? It's true. And and I think that is the the big I think that's what makes the the scary bits in this film for a coward like me very bearable is because you're trusting in goodness to win the day and that's always a good thing. All right. I've just got a couple of last questions for you guys mm. before okay. we before we leave. Uh one, the little kid that Bill has uh, encounters with and Richie has an encounter with. It's very very funny encounter when when Richie does it, but uh, the one that Pennywise kills in the maze of mirrors mm. is that kid real? Ooh. I mean, I hope not, because if not, he died a horrible death for no real reason. Um, that that was weird to me. I, again, I, I, not having gone back to the book, when you saw that scene in the trailer, I thought that was going to be Bill's kid. I thought it was going to be his son, um, who was at, at risk. Um, so, because he seemed obviously desperate to rescue him. Um, but of course, it's a stand-in for his brother. And uh, and yeah, he, he is the the great unsung victim of this if he is real that's for sure so maybe and, and maybe the that girl makes sense. in the bleachers as well oh, i think he maybe yeah. is real because you do yeah. see pennywise feeding on other people um but i guess the main thing is that it's real to to bill that, that his ultimate fear that that penny is pennywise is feeding from is his lack of ability to save the kids mm. And when he's mm. confronted with that, actually, for me, that was one of my favorite set pieces in the film. Uh, just generally the, the, the heading into the fun house, then into the hall of mirrors. Yeah. And uh, then the real creepiness of Pennywise just repeatedly smashing his head into the glass. It was like a very, uh, felt more visceral than some of the other sort of scary moments mm. in the film. Um, and just like a, yeah, horrible, creepy sort of image with a, with a tragic ending as well for that little kid. Yeah. I'll be yeah. honest, I'm sorry. I think he's dead. You think he's dead? Yeah. I think he's real. Does he seem dead. to disappear completely? No. Well, don't we next see Bill just running away? Mm. Understandably. Okay. I mean, because we establish that he's real because Richie thinks he's a, a phantom, but he isn't. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he appears to Bill later on. But uh, yeah, I, I did wonder whether, yeah, is it real? Real Sucks to be that kid. Mm. Um, the other one under the bleachers does feel a little bit like Pennywise hasn't killed enough people in this movie, guys. We need a scene where Pennywise kills kills people. Um, well, we can't have him kill any of the Losers Club because they're quite important. Oh, okay, well, just... Kill a small and adorable child. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Have pretty. that. Munch away. Do you think that the casting of the kids, the adults here, I mean, that's that's just freaky, isn't it? It's crazy. I mean, especially James Ransone mm. as Eddie, as the grown-up Eddie. 
like that that for me is like the most uncanny obviously bill hader is great and there's sort of him him and finn wolfhard yeah. is, is like a great match but but james ransone and jack dylan grazer that is the one that really confounds me and the um just all the little mannerisms and things are carried over so so eerily well mm. Um, but I think that would be incredible watching them back to back on a rewatch. Because um, obviously, I think you can tell here that they had to do the de aging stuff on Finn Wolfhard. Because if you've seen him in Stranger Things lately, he is not that little. He's now 20 feet tall with a beard. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's massive. He's massive and he's gangly. Um, and he doesn't have that little round face anymore. Um, yeah. Jack Dylan Grazer had pretty obvious de aging as well mm-hmm. in, the, in the bunker scene. Just didn't look, had a quite slightly artificial mm-hmm. sheen to and his face. I think face. some of the Ben stuff did as well. I think quite a few, I think especially the boys like probably shot up quite a bit since then whereas i guess we've seen uh, sophia lillis in mm. um in sharp objects course, um, yeah. between these and yeah. um i think i imagine i don't think they had to do any de-aging stuff it didn't on her. didn't look quite as no. much i mean i still think she looks more like amy adams than jessica chastain but mm-hmm. i mean it's picking hairs i actually thought the most the most stunning to me was was chosen jacobs and Isaiah mustafa as mike um something about i mean they're they're not that similar in face shape but just something about their features made me think well of course yeah that kid is going to grow up to look like that guy obviously that just that just fits something about them just I thought was perfect perfect casting and again that same kind of calmness and quietness and stillness Mm. that Mike has uh, in contrast to obviously like a Richie Mm. or an Eddie I'm glad Mike gets more to do I Mm. think in this movie as well Uh, because he's kind of he's kind of sidelined he gets a really great hideout as well. Like, who doesn't want to live in a tower on top of a library? God, the dream. The dream, unless you're in Derry. Unless you're in Derry, Maine. Then it's the nightmare. Yeah, that's true. Mm. That's true. Also, you get um, a, a bit more of an expansion of his stuff as a, as a kid, obviously. So I think in Chapter 1, you see one of the visions he sees is the people trapped in the building. But I'm not sure you get all the details. I think there was something in this about, um, like, a newspaper headline that was about, like, a crack den yeah. sort of thing that was like that felt like a something that wasn't present in the last one but it, it, i don't know it's just something that that made that even more sort of nightmarish this horrible image mm. of his of his parents dying in that fire mm. um because i'm not even sure in the last one is it established that those are his parents yeah i thought it was is it? Yeah. maybe it is yeah. maybe it is but yeah i i thought um as somebody who doesn't know the book or hasn't seen the other miniseries, it, it, he, it feels like that character is the one that has less to do. But I think they still embellished bits of um, bits of him through the story. Mm. Indeed. Finally, Pennywise himself. What do we make of Bill Skarsgård in this movie? Do we think he got enough to do? Was he suitably spooky? Oh, he's scary, man. I think you know, it, it's a it's a difficult problem with uh, this chapter of it in particular that you do have a lot of full-on batshit monster shit at the end which is only going to be cg or or crazy crazy you know prosthetics and set dressing so i think they did better than i feared with that i thought it might go completely off the rails at the end and i don't think it quite did i think they they kept that on on the track um but i think yeah bill skarsgård brings a lot to that role there's just his his impress his expressions are terrifying that scene where he's painting his face Mm. seeing sort of Pennywise stripped down is also kind of horrifying and a really great reminder of how much he brings to the physicality of of that Mm. part Um, 
I agree. I think there's been some criticisms that a lot of the Pennywise stuff is maybe a little bit too CGI enhanced because he is so good on his own. I love that he can do the eye looking in the wrong direction thing on his own. Like that he can actually do that with his eyes, which is really Amazing. spooky. Um, and yeah, the scene where he paints his face and he does his hands down his face and the red appears. Oh yeah, that mm. he's great. He's great. Mm. So uh, we, we think we're done now, right? With this series and because now there's been murmurs that they think there mm. might be enough for a there, third movie. There have and been rumors of a, of a prequel or something. So what's what's 27 yeah. years for 87, 62? That's possible. 80, wouldn't it? Before, sorry, before 89, it'd be... 80, 62, yeah. 62, so Which is... Maybe something like that, something earlier, something around the turn of the century, even when there was the giant disaster that's mentioned a couple of times. It's when Doctor No came out, so I'd be I'd be buying up for <laughs> Sean Connery versus Pennywise. That'd be brilliant. Um, well, good good luck with that one, Chris. I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, hey, who knows? <laughs> I, I it might be interesting. I'm just not sure. Again, with all prequels, what conclusion you can really come to? I guess escape for the protagonists or death. Although those are the only cake or death. Items. I think is also a really good choice. Cake <laughs> or death. I would I would I would personally choose cake. I, yeah, I would go for cake yeah. as well. I, I think they should leave it there. I know it's going to be tif- tough as well because they're going to have, you know, this one did really well the box office mm. over the weekend. Not as well as the first one, but hey. Still yo. well, yeah. Still very, very well. And so they're going to have like 600 million reasons to make a third movie. <laughs> but I think they should leave well alone. Do you know what they should do? Salem's Lot. That's what they should they do. They should do Salem's Lot. Yeah. If you, if you think this is a good idea, they should do Salem's Lot instead, which is vampires. I, th- I think they are. I know, yeah. but like, but like bigger, but like more so, mm. but like. Because from yeah. what I understand as well, Pennywise then enters other bits of the Kingiverse. So I wouldn't, I would be quite up for them doing other Stephen King things well, on a big scale. And if Bill yeah. Skarsgård popped up. In... D- Derry is a regular feature. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it featured in 11, 22, 63, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spends some time in Derry and finds it a really depressing and dark place. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, mm-hmm. 60, mm-hmm. yeah, 62. That's what's happening in Derry in <laughs> Thank you. Well done, Helen. That's um, up then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it'll be earlier. Yeah, Pennywise is, is part of... All the King books are, are connected and the Dark Tower is the mm. text that binds them all and, and it's really metatextual. Joe Hill's books are also connected, by the way. Mm. His, that's is, Stephen King's son, he, one of them. Any particular reason why he should be doing that? Like, find... <laughs> just stop ripping off another author's work, yeah. Joe Hill. God. Honestly. Well, they did write a piece together, so obviously that's why. Who died and made you Stephen King successful? <laughs> oh, God, I hope Stephen King doesn't die now. Oh, God, no. Um, but, yeah, the, so his Nosferatu books, which are mm. phenomenal, are kind of linked in a little bit to this one. Um, but and Speaking of LinkedIn, hit me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, uh, Pennywise has recommended me as a podcast host, which is which is nice. Thanks a lot, Pennywise. Uh, and check us out on Twitter and whatnot, because I'm bringing this to an end. In case, in, case okay. you to, in case you weren't aware what I was doing, I'm bringing this to an end uh, because that is it for our It Chapter 2 spoiler special. Our next spoiler special will be No Idea. Ooh, I love No Idea. No Idea. Who knows what it'll be? Who knows? Um, well, there, there's some exciting films out in the rest of this year and you can have yep. a look at those and, and probably guess some ones that we'll be trying to spoiler. Yep, we'll be trying to spoiler. Mm. Can't guarantee we'll spoiler them, but you never know. Never know. Right, that is it. Uh, regular podcast goes out every Friday if you don't already listen and subscribe if you could that'd be absolutely amazing do leave us nice reviews on iTunes as well but that is it for our It Chapter 2 spoiler special and it's goodbye from Helen O'Hara Toodaloo it's goodbye from Ben Travis goodbye and it's goodbye from me I'm off to lend Ben 
my It miniseries Blu-ray. You're going to enjoy it, Ben. Uh, it comes attached with a couple of red balloons, but just mm. ignore that. Spooky. Just mm. standard. We all float down here, you know. We all float. Does anyone want to see Fancy coming to check out Ben Hanscom's Magnificent Direction? Oh, I mean, I love architecture, so that would be great. Architecture? Thanks for listening. See you later. Bye.